Hello and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast, the weekly podcast series brought to you by FT Advisor. I'm Amy Austin, Senior Reporter of FT Advisor and Financial Advisor. So joining me today is Pete Glancy, Head of Policy at Scottish Widows, and Mike Lacey, Partner at Financial Advisor firm Bowman Pension Consulting. We will be discussing the Advice Allowance, which allows defined contribution pension scheme members to withdraw £500 a year tax-free from their pot up to three times in their life to pay for financial advice. We will also look at what providers should do to promote this feature and why savers are still wary of financial advisors. So first, I thought we could start with Pete, maybe telling us more about the difference between advisor charging and the advice allowance for people that don't know about it. Okay, thank you, Amy. I think it is important to understand the difference between the two facilities, uh, and then it helps to determine, you know, which one to use uh, in which circumstances, etc. So, starting with advisor charging, that that was introduced at the start of two thousand and thirteen, and it came from the, the the retail distribution review, the RDR, and it superseded the the commission regime. So, prior to RDR, the amount of remuneration that advisors received from advice was pretty much determined by the product provider, and the FCA wanted to turn that round so that that was a discussion between the the customer receiving the advice and the financial advisor. So, advisor charging basically allows uh, a retail customer customer to agree a fee structure with their financial advisor. Um, it could be a, a one-off or it could be an ongoing charge. It could be a percentage or a pounds and pence amount. It could be related to the fund size or it could be related to the premiums or it could just be a monetary amount. Um, so a lot of flexibility uh, there. However, the advisor charging uh, should really be used uh, specifically uh, in relation to advice regarding that particular pension product. The pension advice allowance is, is, is a more recent development. It's a response to pension freedoms. And this is where customers can take £500 out of their pension pot on up to three occasions. Um, and there's a little bit more flexibility there. Although it's limited to £500 at present, um, you can have more holistic uh, advice around uh, your, your retirement plans, which could, could go beyond that product or indeed beyond pensions. Uh, and, you can, and you can take some or all of the money, up to £500 from your pension pot to help you um, uh, with paying for that, the cost of that advice. Um, so, Pete, why does Scottish Widows offer the advice allowance when quite a, a lot of its other competitors don't? Well, we, we were supportive of both advisor charging and the pensions advice allowance. They have slightly different purposes um, and we, we, could, we could see the benefit to both. So we, we do offer both. Um, I think that the, the pensions advice allowance is maybe just a, a little bit before its time. We're, we're seeing two big trends developing in the market. One is what we would call consolidation. So people are gradually realising that they have a number of pension pots uh, littered around. The average person will have 11 jobs by the time they retire, so a number of smallish pots. Uh, and when they want to work with a financial advisor, it often makes sense to bring all of those pots together. It just makes it easier and it can also, often also reduce costs. But in terms of bringing those pots together, the the the, the advice and the, the, the work that the financial advisor has to do, those costs have to be covered. Uh, and the pension advice allowance is a, is, is a way of helping with that. And then, of course, once you've consolidated your pots and you're moving uh, into re retirement itself, many people are use, using income drawdown. That's a, an increasingly popular option. And you need support, often on an ongoing basis, from a financial advisor in terms of not making making sure that you're not taking too much money, uh, you're diminishing your pot too quickly, but also that the investments are 
performing in line um, with, with plan and with expectations. Uh, and we expect the, the pension advice allowance to become increasingly popular um, as people move into uh, consolidation and uh, increased use of income drawdown. And so why do you think that, you know, other competitors aren't quite jumping on board the ship yet? Do you think it's things to do with costs or do you think that not enough of people are approaching them wanting to use this allowance so they don't see kind of, you know, the benefit of offering it? I think I think it is due to a lack of demand at the moment. I mean, most pension providers are commercial organisations, and it, it was a relatively expensive facility for us to develop, and we do we do hope it's well used in the future. But I think a lot of providers are waiting to see if demand develops, uh, and then it therefore justifies the cost of developing the facility. Um, you know, there there's a, there's a few reasons why demand hasn't materialised yet. I think one is the success uh, that financial advisors had post-RDR in convincing their current client banks to move to a fee basis. And many clients uh, were quite comfortable in, in, in paying fees uh, you know, by signing a cheque, etc. But the next tier of clients down, uh, you, you, maybe you're, you're the, 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 the outside of the top 20% of asset and income rich, may not have the, the, the financial means to pay for advice. Uh, and I, I think as the, the advisor market starts to help that customer base with the retirement challenges, um, the, the, the pensions advice allowance will come into its own. And what's the take-up been like at Scottish Widows? Are your members aware that you know the advice allowance exists? And we do our best to make make them aware, um, but take up has been very limited in terms of both advisor charging, which has been around for about about six years now, and also the the pensions advice allowance. I think there's a number of things there. Pe- people uh, aren't aware, so the product providers, the financial advisor community, and also the new money and pension service when it gets up and running all have a role to play in making sure that the public know that these facilities exist and that they they, they can be beneficial. But I also think that uh, we, we need to do a bit of marketing around the value of advice collectively. Um, you know, if people uh, go to make other complicated purchases, such as, you know, a computer or a smartphone or even a car, fairly complicated pieces of kit, they do get advice from, from you know, the, the, the distributor that they're going to, but uh, they, don't, they don't expect to pay for it. Um, in financial services, you know, we've made advice an explicit service, uh, and, and not everybody fully understands the value that that advice um, can bring. And it is paid for explicitly. So we need to do a bit of work to really market uh, the, the value of advice and why people should should speak to a financial advisor rather than just trust their friends and their family who may be well-intentioned but certainly not experts. And Mike, um, do you think financial advisors are doing their part in promoting this allowance? Oh, absolutely. It's one of, one of the problems with being on our side of the desk is that it's, our advice is expensive. Um, Advisors, I think we should very firmly be promoting the, the ability to access payment for our fees. Um, unfortunately, it, it is an expensive business. Um, and I don't think people are fully aware of this. I, mean, I know the, that the FCA view that having uh, a signpost towards this is, issue within page 38 of the Money Advice Service fact sheet that goes out in the wake-up packs is sufficient, but I really don't think it is. I think the, the ability to have this amount of money going towards advice uh, should be promoted in, in a lot more upfront manner than simply hidden away in a, a very large fact sheet that's going to people that aren't financially sophisticated uh, and important time. We certainly have a part to play, but I think the um, uh, the whole the, the whole concept of the advice allowance should be promoted um, from the uh, from the rooftops. And have you had any clients approach you wanting you know using this allowance from their provider? 
only one that came close to it, and, and that person, uh, we ended up not not um, using the, the advice allowance, and understanding the person required a, 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 an impaired life annuity, um, so that was paid for by commission from the product. But it's, I don't think most people are aware of it. I, I think that's the fundamental problem with the advice allowance. It's just it's just not publicised enough, and we're the best one in the world. Um, if you're running your own practice and, uh, and busy financial advisors, we're all busy now. We don't necessarily have the time to go out to people uh, promoting a service for something that might not necessarily be our, our target audience. And do you both think that it might make a difference if, you know, the limit was higher or lower? Um, is the £500 I, three times a year, you know, is that working or should it be, you know, should people be uh, allowed one, to take a big lump sum? I, if I may on that one, I, I definitely think £500 uh, three, three times in a lifetime is too small. Um, some advisors will give an initial, an initial meeting uh, at no cost or no charge, uh, but £500 isn't going to get you a great deal of advice. You're going to have an initial conversation, possibly some, some signposting, but no advice. I think that the £500 limit should be increased quite markedly. If, if the, uh, the Treasury are willing to let uh, people have £1,500 in total from their DC pension pots, why not take it in one lump sum? You can have a much more meaningful discussion uh, and guidance uh, or advice light, light touch advice, um, with a with a, a payment of £1,500, which is going to go some way towards covering IFA's or advisors' costs. Uh, I'm sorry to sound mercenary, but you know, we, we can't afford to uh, give advice for nothing because we have a lifelong liability for advice, as you'll be very well aware. Brilliant. And what do you think, Pete? I think there's some very good points there. Uh, Mike, Mike touches on a, on a concept advice advice light there. I mean, the, the FC are currently doing a conducting a review of the the RDR and Farmer, um, and one of the reasons that that advice is so expensive is because we value uh, or assess the quality of advice. Uh, against the perfect outcome and applying hindsight. And that's a very high bar for advisors to aim for. And it means that they've got to gather lots and lots of information and look at customers' needs, but also their wants. Um, and they, they have to, there's a lot of paperwork. Um, they then need professional and indemnity insurance in case the outcome isn't in line with that perfect outcome with hindsight. And they need very expensive people to provide the advice with lots of qualifications. And often well, people in, in the second tier down, not, not the asset rich and the income rich, have fairly straightforward questions and potentially a service which allows financial advisors to, to answer those particular challenges that customers have, potentially with slightly less qualified folk and potentially without the right to redress which requires all this professional indemnity insurance, could be a second tier of advice that, that would be available to the public for a lot less money, but create a, a, a very substantial amount of value. I'd, I'd agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, an advice light or, or not necessarily the full fat advice. And your point about um, indemnity, if you look at some of the decisions coming out of FOS recently, Financial Ombudsman Service, finding against a provider that was given for advice that was given 26 years ago, then have to worry why people are advisors slightly reluctant to engage new clients or to uh, to discuss without uh, it sounds arrogant but relatively low value business it's the ability to have a light touch uh, advice regime i think would be in, certainly in the client's best interest it, it really no advice is not treating customers fairly but we, but we need to maintain profitability so we're, we're around in 10 20 years to actually give the advice to people in the future and do you think that maybe, you know, this take-up of the advice allowance is still quite low because um, many savers are still wary of taking financial advice? You know, it's quite a daunting thing, approaching an advisor and speaking about your pension that you maybe haven't thought about yet. 
I certainly think the uh, some of the press uh, need to think about what they're actually doing. It's easy to get headlines, and I certainly don't count y- yourselves in this. Uh, some of the broadsheets, um, the red tops, don't necessarily like the financial advisory community or, or, or financial service in general. Um, and unfortunately, the, the, the public will look at the headlines about uh, some terrible advice that was given back in the 80s and think, well, I'm not going to touch an advisor today, not realising that, that the level of qualifications and due diligence and oversight that we now have. Um, I think we have a, the industry in itself doesn't have the best of reputations with the public in general. Clients that engage with us are more than happy with the advice, but the problem is, isn't the clients that engage with us, it's the clients, it's the potential clients out there that don't even think to phone an, an advisor. I was talking to somebody a couple of days ago, he just decided because the markets, the stock markets weren't going to, uh, he didn't think they're going to rise in the future, he decided to annuitize, which comes a complete, uh, clearly the guy took no advice whatsoever. Uh, didn't like it when I pointed out that wasn't necessarily the, optim- the optimal outcome for a chap in his mid-50s, but that's where we are. We, we researched quite a large number of members of the public just a couple of years ago now, 2017, uh, asking them about their attitudes towards advice and guidance. And 76% of people told us that they wouldn't or couldn't pay for advice. But then when we asked them about it, the type of support that they wanted from the financial services industry, they wanted a personal recommendation from an expert. And of course, that, that is advice. So there's a gap between the perception of, of the advisory element of financial services and the reality which is that people do want an expert to tell them precisely what to do. And we, we need to reconcile that gap. Absolutely. And do you Just think prices may be a factor in this? You know, some fees can be quite high for people that, you know, aren't earning as much or don't have a big enough pension pot to kind of warrant these fees. I'd agree with that. Um, I've dealt in the past with quite a few group pension schemes and some of the members will approach me individually and talk, for example, about a a £10,000 fund they have in a previous employer. And they'll ask me, can I advise them on it? And I say, I can advise you, but we have a minimum fee and it's just not cost efficient for me to charge this to you because it's it's, a, it's too big a percentage of your fund. I can't feel happy to justify charging you the fee to do this. And the look on their faces, you know, I face says no to business. It's, a, it's interesting. We, we, can't, we have to cover our costs, but we can't overcharge clients. It's not treating customers fairly. Um, so the middle ground needs to be uh, obtained. And as Peter's already mentioned, uh, advice lights or a lower touch regulatory regime would certainly help in this area, I feel. I think I think that's that's right, Mike. Um, I mean, if a client has half a million pound un- under management, the, the, the advantages from a tax efficiency and an investment return pr- perspective, you know, will, will certainly outweigh the cost of a thousand, two thousand pound for, for, a, for a piece of advice with someone with a ten thousand pound pension pot and five thousand pound in an ISA. But, you know, that, that level of fee for advice, you know, just isn't uh, you know, effective, as, as you mentioned. And that's why we need something that's a lot lighter, um, appropriate, but, but lighter in terms of the effort and the cost involved. And and what more do you think could be done to promote, you know, the advice allowances, advantages to individuals, either by advisors, providers, you know, regulators? I would say the key, the key time to advise uh, or, or members of pension schemes in particular of, of, the, of the advice allowance is in the wake-up packs. Um, I think it's a bespoke, tailored uh, communication within the wake-up pack, saying, pointing out that they can take £500 from their DC pots each year or potentially another larger figure, it would be nice. Um, I think, as I mentioned earlier, highly getting paid 38 of the MAS fact sheet isn't really fit for purpose. Uh, let's face it, who, who actually reads a 38-page document uh, are actually getting paid to do so? 
um, it should be, I think it should be flagged up uh, and made completely more explicit and in less flowery language as well. You can take £500 from your pension fund in order to get advice and, or guidance as to your options. I think there's also a piece around raising awareness of pensions because the, the, the prerequisite to getting people excited about pensions advice is to get them excited about pensions in the, in the first place. And many, many people, of course, are accumulating quite a, a large pensions entitlement, albeit scattered over lots of small pots, which seem quite small. I mean, we, we've undertaken an initiative uh, in conjunction with, with Lloyds and Halifax and Bank of Scotland um, recently, where if you're a customer of those, those banks, you can see your Scottish widow's pensions on your banking app. And just having the pension in a place that people go to often is massively increasing the engagement that people are having with their pensions and then they start to think about it and then they start to ask questions quite rightly um, and then that takes you down to increasing demand for advice on the advice side um, because we have to, to uh, you know, point customers in, in the direction of, of getting good financial advice with some of the questions that they're starting to ask. And, and I think the Thank pension you. dashboard in the future will, will, will play a very useful role in terms of putting pensions in front of people in a much more intuitive way. That's exactly what I was going to, to raise, actually. One of the reasons why I'm so much in favour of the pension dashboard is it will give uh, the people in the street the ability to look back on their pension history and realise that, yes, they've got 11 small pots of money, but those 11 small pots of money when you're in your late 50s, early 60s, all of a sudden could be an attractive vehicle, something to look at there. That then means that they, if they can take the advice allowance and, and engage and advise to talk about that, the advisor then potentially is incentivised to give some proper full fat advice on a relatively large pension fund. Well, hopefully after today's podcast, uh, more clients, you know, more advisors will be aware of this allowance and will start promoting it around. Thank you for joining us today, Pete and Mike. Tune in next week for another edition of FT Advisor Podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.